Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Paco Gavrilides and part two of his presentation titled Personal Prayer and part one of his presentation titled The Church's Primary Mission, recorded at the Catholic Men's Fellowship of Northeast Ohio Annual Conference in March 2014. And now, here is Paco Gavrilides. So one of the things that's important for us to say is you don't walk in dryness all of the time. You won't experience prayer as distant and cold all of the time. But you will at different times, and there are reasons that God wants to get at why sometimes your prayer is dry. Let me give you a couple. One reason why prayer can be dry is because there's something going on in our life that we haven't been taking care of. We, we need to change an attitude, or we're locked into doing our will. And so we're, we're holding out and not saying yes to God. And the experience I have in prayer when that happens to me is this posture. It's just a funny one. When I do that, I, can, I, I sense the Lord kind of going like this. And how long will you stay there before you change? How long, you know? I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I, I really believe that there's something like this in our relationship to God, that sometimes our disposition of saying, I come to do your will, O Lord. Lord, melt me and mold me so that I can really be the servant and this Christ-like person that you want me to be isn't there. And so the Lord doesn't give in the same way, but allows you to experience, to sit, if you will, like children, right? In our own impertinence, our own rebellion, until we've had enough of it. Then we say, i got to get out of this. How do I get out of that? And then the Lord begins to speak. That's one of the things. I think another thing is, is that if we, God is not like a slot machine. You know, when I come in, I'm going to put in the coin and I'm going to get out the answer. If I haven't been in a filial relationship, faithfully, humbly being before him, ready to praise, worship, and, 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 to, and do his will, I'm not, I'm not yet at that right spiritual place to receive his word. So we need to understand that. But God has many wonderful graces and strengths for us that he wants to impart to us that only can come to us in personal prayer. And let me say something here. I I can say this, I think, theologically safe, and it's true. We'll see what Father says here. It's this. Many of us will make, uh, go to daily Mass, But if we think that just daily Mass without any personal prayer is sufficient, we're we're really uh, being deceived. The grace that we receive in personal prayer and Scripture reading prepares the soul to go to Mass in a posture of worship and in love that allows the graces from the Mass to really be released in their lives. If not, many people go through the routine 
of Mass, but they're not there in enlivened faith because they haven't touched God that day. They haven't come to him with that. Now, it doesn't mean that God isn't working, but I'm saying what happens is there is grace that's given in personal prayer that disposes us to enter into whatever sacrament with greater, greater efficacy. We'll be more at the right receptivity, spirit of receptivity to receive it. Does that make sense? So a lot of people have this idea that just going to Mass is the magic formula. No, being in prayer and being in union with God is the magic formula. And then coming to him in the Mass is, is the highest of all forms of prayer. And, and if we're ready for it, then we get grace upon grace as a result of it. Now, I just want to say this because it's part of this whole understanding I believe our Lord has taught me. Uh, it was 46 years ago, at 19 years old, that I had this unbelievable experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, the first thing that happened is the Spirit revealed Jesus to me as personal Lord and Savior. No longer just Lord out there, but my Lord. And in that experience, um, the taste to want to be with God was tremendous. I found myself praying all, all the time. I tell the story because it's a true story. I was so eager in the very first weeks of prayer that uh, at college at Central Michigan, I've showed some of my friends there because we've gone back there now. I wanted to stay... I was, it was an experience that I became a Catholic. It was when I filled, was filled with the Spirit, the Lord really showed me the church, and I, I entered. But I hid in the vestry closet of the priests in the sacristy and waited until everybody left. And then when it was totally quiet, I went out into the church. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I worshipped, and I sang, and I, I honored the Lord, and I honored every icon, or, or excuse me, every... every uh, uh, every saint in, in, the, in, in the windows, and I honored our Blessed Mother, and I went everywhere. And it was hours that I had just praying. I couldn't get enough of prayer because I experienced the love of God that, sur that surpasses all understanding. I, I really found Christ. And that had a lot to do with my desire, I think, and the gift to, to evangelize that happens. I'll, we'll talk about that in the next talk. But what I wanted to say is this, is that it was no longer that I was reciting prayers to God, but rather it was a heart-to-heart -heart experience of God. It became obvious to me that if this was the most important relationship, then I needed to be utterly faithful to set aside, and this is another practical point, a, play, a time and a place, a sacred space every day where I could have the conversation with the most significant person in my life. And I just did it. I started doing it. Now, like as I said before, I was, you know, a student and I had all kinds of things going on, but I learned that if I would die to my uh, hyperactivity and let myself be with the Lord and grow in that friendship, that relationship deepened. And my confidence in God grew. And I learned that he could teach me things. He could teach me through his word and through being there. And I, I would say to all of you that God will guide you 
and show you how to have your personal prayer time if you ask him. He will show you. He will teach you. It doesn't make a difference how old you are. You can, you can learn now more things. You know, God is still moving in our lives. It, so I want to talk just simply about a very simple structure, though, that I think helps. Helps us kind of get started. And then within that structure, you can respond in different ways. First of all, again, a time and a place where it's guarded and it's protected from noise and distraction. I can never play, pray in my living room because I have three kids. I'd never go there. So my wife made for me up in our room a little, a little like a prayer corner. She's got a really beautiful, she's got some icons and a candle and a Bible and all that. And it's a place that's kind of conducive for personal prayer. I go up there. And that's where I spend my time with the Lord and that sort of thing. Although I'll come downstairs because I'm a dad and I want to see them. So a lot of times I'll pray. There's a, we have another place in our living room. I'll pray on my knees in front of my children because I want to see them. I want them to see that the real boss is him. He's the one that I submit to. And I want them to be able to see that I'm not ashamed to pray. What was the blessing of John Paul II? How many times did we see that man over and over again with that crozier held up like this and his head on it, praying as if he was in another world? And you know what? He was. He was in heaven. Prayer is contact with heaven. Prayer is being in touch with the kingdom that has no end. And it's God who wants us to really experience that prayer. Okay, here's the structure. The best thing to do in prayer so that we're oriented right is to begin with some time of, thank, of praise of God for who He is. You know, not for what we can get, but for who He is. Some of us need to begin to look at the Psalms and read the Psalms and notice what God what it says about Him. You know, you are glorious in power. You are wonderful in love. You are faithful. Uh, God, you are, you are merciful. Your, your mercies are renewed day by day. It, once we pray and we turn to God and we begin to proclaim who God is, the reality of that God really sinks deeper into our consciousness. We become aware of God and the Spirit of God that's working in us is revealing to us and tearing down the veil so that we can see more of who he is. You can marvel at his works. And I would encourage the psalm. So spending some time in pure praise. Then you can move to thanksgiving, where you begin to thank the Lord for the wonderful works he's done among men. Very specific things about how he's helped your your, 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 the family get through this crisis or how he's uh, helped you find a parking spot yesterday when you needed it or given you the words to talk to somebody in council. You know, there's so many ways. If our prayer is not going to be self-centered but rather God-centered, we need to consciously acknowledge the good things that the Lord has done on the individual level, family level, in the church, whatever. Wherever blessings are, we ought to acknowledge them. That makes the reality of God really alive. And, and it, it takes us from that kind of heavy, it's a tough life. <clears throat> We're going to get through it. Yeah, we'll persevere to the end. <clears throat> that's, not, that's not what Pope Francis is saying, is he? What is Pope Francis saying? That we should be alive in the joy of the gospel. 
that joy should be the earmark of who we are, characteristic of who we are. How many times do you go to church and see faces radiant with joy? I bet it would, it would blow the priests away if they saw people radiant with joy. But that's what really God really desires. And I'll say this. You know, this is a, I, I'll just really quickly say this. I, my time's coming to an end. When I was, <laughs> when I was working in, in an automobile factory and, and doing stuff online, when I was trying to make money for college, I was trying to evangelize there, I prayed and asked the Lord, what, what should I start with? And the Lord said, smile. And you know, in these, these environments, people are very angry because all they're doing the same thing all day. You know, and they have to make so many, and it's not a very thing. So I started smiling. You know what the first reaction I got from people? What's eating you? What's eating you? But I kept smiling, and I started talking to people, and it changed everything. God wants us to be filled with gratitude for his mercies. They're renewed every day. And because we're so focused on ourselves, and often because our goals are our own and not the ones of the Lord, we don't have eyes to see right before our noses what God is, wants to do. But God wants to do marvelous things. Okay, prayer, praise, thanksgiving. Okay, let's intercede for the people that we, we need to intercede for. Uh, I have a brother who gave me this idea, and I do it now. I intercede, and I have sections, you know. I've got family needs. I pray for friends, special, special situations. I pray for ministries, and I call on the names of certain saints. Now, every, every single day, I don't pray all of these intercessions. But this is what I go through. And I go through this, and the Lord will take, tell me, that's enough of that one. Now, you know, move on to some other ones. If we're not praying for the brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ or the world... We're, we're not in the mind of the Lord. This is part of what he wants us to do. And don't kid yourself. Prayer is powerful. If you pray with faith, with simplicity and trust of God, God is working. It's, some of it's an invisible to the eye, but many things are affected in circumstances because somebody's taken prayer seriously. And God wants us to know that. Okay, so the next thing is, now we can ask for ourselves, Lord, I need some little help for this or that. Uh, you know, one of the things is my, my, just a little inside sharing here. One of the things I'm praying for is that the Lord will give me the gift or the grace to write so I can do this thesis that I'm trying to do for the licentiate program, you know, for my, to get my licentiate degree. But it's a wonderful thing. Another thing I'd say is, so we, we do that, then stop and listen and be still before the Lord because he wants to speak to you. Now, any of those things, they can go in different orders as the Spirit leads. But those are elements that are prayer. The other thing I would say that's important is posture. We're a bodily people. Posture makes a difference. There are times that I really know for certain things that I want to ask the Lord for, I go on my knees. And if I really want to adore and adore His holiness, I'm not ashamed to take the prostration position. When I'm happy and I want to praise the Lord, I'll clap the hands because that's what it says in the scripture and it's such a natural thing. Or if, I'm, if I really want to praise the Lord, a lot of times I'll sing songs. Sometimes I'll make them up. But there's, there's things that God gives me. I pray in the Spirit with the Holy Spirit uh, inspiring my prayer. This is all part of it. The body is part of who we are. We're not just a soul. 
we're, well, I won't get into theology on that. We're, we are a whole person, mind, body, and spirit, and our bodies get, help us lend itself to good prayer. I've got to draw to a close here. I want to tell you one final thing that I think would be helpful. God gave us the Holy Spirit because we didn't know how to pray as we ought. So leaning into the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to educate you, to teach you how to pray, will, it will make a huge difference. So it says from Paul on Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we knew not how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit is at work, at work helping us pray, enabling us, empowering us, inspiring us, guiding us, and strengthening us. I want to close with this quote. This was a quote, again, that came from John Paul II in his uh, famous uh, uh, letter to the church on Novo Milenio Inuente, toward the end of the, 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 the new uh, third century. Now, if I can find it. He says something that I think is so wonderful because he, he's trying to get people to understand the power of prayer. And he says this. He's trying to encourage people not to go into look at for other spiritualities. We have it all in Christ in our own traditions. He says, The great mystical tradition of the church of both East and West has much to say in this regard, in regards to prayer. It shows how prayer, now listen carefully, it shows how prayer can progress as a genuine dialogue, an exchange between, right? A dialogue of love to the point of rendering the person wholly possessed by the divine beloved, vibrating at the Spirit's touch, resting filially within the Father's heart. This is the lived experience of Christ's promise. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Let us pray with great confidence. The Lord will teach us how to move forward in him, to love him the way he deserves to be loved. God bless. And now, the church's primary mission. Brothers, what I want to talk about this afternoon is the church's primary mission which is to uh, preach the gospel to the very ends of the earth. I titled this talk just as a way of kind of giving myself an orientation, Missionary Disciples Who Carry the Good News to Others. Most of you know this uh, because you pay attention to what um, is coming out from uh, Catholic news about our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and, and the, the, the new uh, letter, uh, encyclical he wrote on the um, apostolic letter, excuse me, uh, Evangelii Gaudium, which is the joy uh, to evangelize, of evangelization. And it's a tremendous letter. I encourage you to read it and read it carefully. Uh, he spends a great deal of time speaking about this call. I will quote him in a, in a moment. But what's really the church is after at this point in time in history 
is there's a universal mobilization of the church to engage the entire world with the work of bringing the gospel, bringing Jesus Christ to the world. And it's a very serious and concerted effort by the church like never before. But it's also important to see that the Spirit of the Lord has been speaking to the church about this call for a good while. Back in 1990, Pope John II, in his well-known encyclical letter, The Mission of the Redeemer, says this, The number of those who do not know Christ and do not belong to the church is constantly on the increase. Indeed, since the end of the council, it has almost doubled. When we consider this immense portion of humanity, which is loved by the Father and for whom he sent his Son, the urgency of the church's mission is obvious. Pope Benedict XVI, in 2010, in his apostolic exhortation, Verbum Domini, says this, We cannot keep to ourselves the words of eternal life given to us in our encounter with Jesus Christ. They are meant for everyone, for every man and woman. It is our responsibility to pass on what, by God's grace, we ourselves have received. Pope Francis has said, I'm going to quote a few things from him, I invite all Christians everywhere at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ, or at least an openness to letting him encounter them. I ask all of you to do this unfailingly each day. No one should think that this invitation is not meant for him or her, since no one is excluded from the joy brought by the Lord. The Lord will not disappoint those who take this risk. Whenever we take a step towards Jesus, we come to realize that he is already there waiting for us with open arms. And he goes on a little farther and he says this, and I think this is really critical for us here at this men's conference. In virtue of their baptism, all the members of the people of God have become missionary disciples. All the baptized, whatever their position in the church or their level of instruction in the faith, are agents of evangelization. And it would be insufficient to envision a plan of, inv- uh, of evangelization to be carried out by professionals while the rest of the faithful would simply be passive recipients. The new evangelization calls for personal involvement on the part of each of the baptized. Every Christian is challenged here and now to be actively engaged in evangelization. Indeed, Anyone who has truly experienced God's saving love does not need much time or lengthy training to go out and proclaim that love. Every Christian is a missionary to the extent that he or she has encountered the love of God in Christ Jesus. We no longer say that we are disciples and missionaries, but rather that we are always missionary disciples. If we are not convinced 
Let us look at those first disciples who immediately after encountering the gaze of Jesus went forth to proclaim him joyfully. We have found the Messiah. The Samaritan woman became a missionary immediately after speaking with Jesus and many Samaritans uh, to come to believe in him because of the woman's testimony. So too St. Paul, after his encounter with Jesus Christ, immediately proclaimed Jesus. So what are we waiting for? Those are the words of Pope Francis. I believe that this exhortation can't be any more uh, better well tailored to what really needs to happen in this country among the Catholic population. It's time as the, uh, the Catholic people to see ourselves as all in the game in the most fundamental task of the church, which is preaching the saving message of Jesus Christ to the world. And all of the men here with all of your tremendous, vast array of gifts and talents, natural and supernatural, are, are, are called to find themselves organizing themselves, uh, talking together, planning, strategizing, listening to the Holy Spirit to begin to embark in this work. We remember are called as the laity in the church to co-responsibility in the life of the church's mission. Uh, Pope uh, John Paul spoke about that in Christis Fidelis Laici. It was repeated in a very uh, pretty uh, extensive way by Benedict XVI. And now we're hearing it with Francis. The responsibility for the work of bringing the gospel to the ends of the, work, uh, to the world is in all of our hands. And no one can say, oh, that I'm not, I, don't do, I don't do evangelization. Due to time constraints, today's talk will continue next week at the same time. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For an audio archive of this program, go to livingbreadradio.com and click on the programming menu. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.